This is Bracket Rights, a show all about college football, where the conversations are lively, the topics are trivial, and the hosts are semi-knowledgeable. And now, here are your hosts, Madison and Pierce. Welcome in to another edition of Bragg and Rights here to break down week 11 and the slate we have upon us. College football is scarily coming to a close. We have just a few weeks left, so we're going to try to savor this as much as possible. Uh, and, and before we start looking into bowl and preview season of playoffs, uh, should be a fun one. There is a, It's wide open. There's going to be a lot of controversy down the stretch, I, I think. But some things will play itself out, so that might even start this weekend with some of these games. So before we get into it, though, I need to introduce my co-host. My name is Madison. I'm joined, as always, by my brother Pierce. Pierce, how are you? I'm doing very well. Um, excited to dive in this week. Unfortunately, we're missing uh, missing another co-host here, um, but uh, you know we've got to move forward and and give y'all some picks and give y'all some winners. It's a big weekend. Uh, see if we can build on on a great week last week. I mean, heck, probably the best week of football I would say of the entire year. There's some big ones on deck here. Some interesting ones too. Uh, last week felt a little more cut and dry when I was doing my research and then kind of with, with lining up with what I just had a gut feel this week may be a little bit different. Um, and, and, and having listened to some folks, uh, that I trust in the industry, maybe, uh, maybe going against what I, what my research told me and what, uh, what I was kind of thinking with my gut. So I'm going to be interested, going to, going to be excited to see where you go in this and, and hope to have another great week. Well, where I go is going to be a lot of winging it. I can already tell you right now, because some of these lines are wonky to me. And uh, some of these teams are starting to turn things around and some are starting to potentially uh, get exposed. So uh, it's going to be an interesting – we'll see. You, you and I will find out where I'm going to go as it comes out of my mouth. I'll put it that way. Um, you want to jump in? Let's just do it. Yeah, we are without Hank tonight, so this will be a little bit of a quicker one for y'all. Make sure you're subscribed, though, to this feed so you don't miss because he will still be um, – have or he'll be a part of – he'll have input on the um, – Easy peasies that comes out on Saturday morning. So make sure you're not missing that to get his three best bets of the weekend. Kicking it off, Pierce, on ABC, noon Eastern time. It's the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets and the Clemson Tigers. I bet you thought when you saw these two team schedules come out and you you circled this one on your calendar for week 11, I bet you just you knew in your heart of hearts that these teams would be four, both be a five and four. I just knew. Heck no. Heck no. I actually was looking at this today and thought to myself, I did a triple take. Georgia Tech's what? They're they're what now? Record wise, I was so shocked. Georgia Tech not only is the same record as Clemson, but they are third place for the ACC Pierce, which is just absolutely bonkers. I mean, they would need to have some help, obviously, but uh, they they technically could still play for the ACC championship, which is just crazy to me. But yeah, the, the story really here though uh, is Clemson. They bounced back last week against Notre Dame um, at home. You start now to question whether or not Notre Dame, you look back at some of their games that they've played and you go, okay, maybe some things make more sense. So, you know, maybe a little bit of an overreaction here uh, for some people, what they're going to do with this one about as to whether Clemson is really back or um, whether or not that was kind of a uh, getting Notre Dame at the right time. That being said, this one at home, Clemson is going to be favored by 14 and a half points. Um, Georgia Tech, on the other hand, they are at five and four. Uh, Their most recent wins, a shocking win at home versus UVA. That's like the second or third year in a row that they've done that. Last week they did travel to Virginia. They beat the Cavaliers 45-17. to 17. Um, They do have a couple of losses on their schedule as well. But, again, you did not expect to see this team be 5-4 and four with a transfer quarterback, Haynes King. Um, so, so maybe there's still magic in the air for Georgia Tech when they travel to Clemson, South Carolina. But it's going gonna, it's gonna to be um, – you know, one that I don't think a lot of people are going to have them being competitive in. But 14 and a half points is a lot for a Clemson team that has been struggling and has played some pretty close games as well. So I want to hear your take on this one, Pierce. Who do you have, Clemson, to cover that 14 and a half points, or are you going to um, take those points and take the jackets? Well, I think you'll see in my rundown, I'm, I'm pretty torn on this one. Uh, it, it's an interesting number here, especially with that hook. Um, when you break it down a little bit more and go in depth, you know, I was pretty shocked to see Georgia Tech, uh, you know, have as good of numbers offensively as they do. Um, they throw for 261, uh, you know, and a half yards per game, which is good for, uh, you know, top, top 50, 60 in the league. Uh, and, and they run for 204 yards per game, which is 
astonishing to me, and that and that's good for top thirty. Um, you know, on the flip side though, Clemson is pretty darn good defensively, and and we saw as much last week shut down Sam Hartman um, and Notre Dame, and and really kind of contain them, especially in that second half. Um, so I, I certainly think Clemson will be able to handle uh, Georgia Tech's, uh, you know, pr- you know, okay to to good offense. Uh, and then when you look on the flip side, Georgia Tech, that is the weakness of their team defensively. So, um, uh, you know, offensively, while, while Clemson is not the juggernauts by any stretch of the imagination and, and not even top in a lot of these rankings, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see if they get Will Shipley back. I think Phil Moffat will have a, a pretty good day. I think Clemson should be able to take advantage. Here's the reason, and, and I'll go ahead and say it. I am taking Georgia Tech plus the 14 and a half in this one um, for a couple of reasons. And and would it surprise me on Saturday if I look up at halftime and, and, and Clemson's up 28 points? No. Um, you know, I, I do think that Clemson, even though they should have a lot of success against this Georgia Tech defense, you know, they're not a, a a powerhouse of an offense as is. So, you know, how much better are they really going to be facing this poor of a defense? Um, I'm not so sure. Also, you know, big emotional win last week against Notre Dame. Where's Clemson going to be at? One other thing to keep in mind, UNC comes uh, is, is ah, on deck here for me. Clemson. Yep. Stole yep, yep, yep. <laughs> Sorry, I'm covering so much. I, I, you know, it was only a matter of time. <laughs> I know, now I know that's why he kept looking at me and kind of going, all right, when are you going to finish up? I got to, don't take my point. Um, so I, I think a combination of, of, you know, having a big win last week, um, I, I, you know, against Notre Dame, I, I, it would not shock me to see them sputter here with a look ahead spot and just kind of sleepwalk through this one. It wouldn't really surprise me to see Georgia Tech pull off the upset. That is where they're at their best. They play much better on the road. Certainly this is a bigger test, but I like Georgia Tech with the, uh, with the hook of 14 and a half uh, to, to cover this spread. You know, I'm back and forth with this one, Pierce, because I do think Clemson is back off the, what do you call it, the snide? Is that what you say during easy peasies? Um, so I do think that they are kind of bouncing back, and I think you might see them win out the rest of the season. I, I would not be shocked at that at all. Uh, Tyler from Spartanburg just absolutely fired up Dabo, so I think he's he's out for blood. You know, their, their losses, three of the four of them have been on the road. This one's at home. I do like Clemson to win this one, but I agree with you. I think this is one where Georgia Tech might be able to, to drum up just enough to, uh, to make things interesting for Clemson, and whether that be a backdoor cover type situation, I'm not sure. Um, I don't know if it's, you know, they, they did give them their best from the beginning or if it's, a, you know, hey, at the end in garbage time we score and it's there as an 11-point win as opposed to 14 and a half. But I'm going to go Georgia Tech 2 because of that look-head spot you mentioned. I think it's the perfect storm with their two remaining opponents being North Carolina, who uh, currently is ranked number 24 in the nation. We'll see if they uh, continue to sputter or whether they're able to uh, to kind of get back off the side as well. And then they have South Carolina, and that's a get-right spot for them, obviously, a revenge game uh, with that uh, loss coming last year um, and kind of ending their playoff hopes. So um, I think that this is one where you might see, even though, you know, they might be fired up and stuff like that. I think Clemson could be sleepwalking and kind of looking ahead a little bit. So I'm going to take the Jackets in this one as well. Uh, to your point, would I be shocked if at uh, you know halftime Clemson's up by 40? Absolutely not. That's just then then we'll know Clemson's fully back. But this feels like one where you're like, oh, maybe we overcorrected a little bit about them quote unquote being back. I think they might have just gotten Notre Dame at the perfect time. I, I just think Notre Dame Agreed. might be kind of getting exposed here at the end of the season um, as they're apt to do. So, um, all right, well, there we go. We're both on Georgia Tech so far, so we're off to a stunning start. That means Clemson, you're definitely going to cover. Uh, we'll stay at noon Eastern time, Pierce. Big noon kickoff here on Fox. It's the number three Michigan Wolverines and the number 11 Penn State Nittany Lions there in, uh, what do they call it? State College, Happy Valley, all the, they, they call their college a bunch of different things. So, um, but they are at Penn State with this one. Uh, Penn State at home going to be receiving four and a half points. I know that line's already moved a little bit, um, but when we got the point spread, it is at four and a half of the Penn State and it lands at home receiving that. I'm not going to touch on much of the cheating stuff here, but it will be very interesting to see, Pierce, if you are Penn State and you have not changed your freaking signs, you're an idiot. I mean, everybody that Michigan plays for the rest of the season better have changed their signs two or three times because – you just you, you, they basically have all but admitted, yeah, we did it, but we don't care. Um, so it, 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 what whether the talent is there to back up the lack of Stein stealing, the funny thing is, isn't it going to be just a hoot if Michigan absolutely blows Penn State out of the water and Ohio State at the end of the season too? And it's like you didn't even really need to cheat. We'll see here. So um, yeah, Penn State on the other hand, uh, obviously the name of the game for them was they had that loss 
at Ohio State in, uh, a couple games ago. That kind of effectively potentially ended their bid at a playoff spot. They are still sitting at 11, so they need a lot of help in front of them. But this would be obviously a big factor in that. A lot of people, the hot pick was that these this was going to be a round robin, and the three of them were just kind of beat each other up. So we'll see here. Uh, Michigan, big the big storyline for them, obviously cheating aside, is they haven't really played anybody. So this is their first real test, quite frankly, and it's on the road. I wish this was a night game. I wish this was a night game with the, the whiteout and stuff, but so is TV schedules, and we're getting this at noon. Um, but it's I, I think it's going to be an instant classic. So I'll start with you, Pierce. Four and a half points at home. Do you like the Nittany Lions, or do you think Michigan is just that real? Well, you uh, you hit on uh, one of the things that I was going to mention, or, and I have to bring up here, and that is with with, with the lack of a uh, schedule for Michigan. Some of these numbers that I you know looking at, I feel like I have to throw them out because they're a little bit overinflated, in my opinion, due to the lack of of competition. Um, but I do know that it's still an indicator of where their strengths lie. Um, while maybe it's overinflated, it, it still will tell you a little bit about this Michigan team. Um, both defenses are pretty darn good for both of these teams. I mean, I would say the one weak link um, for uh, you know any either defense is Penn State's pass defense. Uh, they do give up. I know it doesn't sound like a lot, but um, it's uh, it you know they give up 173.9 yards. Um, but when you break it down, you know Big Ten football is much more predicated on the run. And Ohio State uh, for for their big win over Penn State. You know, McCord's not a guy that's just going to throw it all over the yard here, uh, you know, on you. So, um, you know, I think that's where Michigan might need to take advantage here. Uh, Michigan does average 257 yards through the air, um, but they really haven't had to air it out yet. So is that maybe those numbers aren't as high? I know McCarthy doesn't play in most of the fourth quarters. Um, Here's the thing. I just don't see, and this is why I've actually already got a uh, a, a play out um, on Michigan minus four and a half. And, and the reason is, would it surprise me to see Penn State keep this within that number? No, because they are at home and it's a great home field advantage. Uh, but what it really comes down to is, can Penn State generate enough points to keep this close? I'm not saying Michigan's going to score forty. Heck, I'm not even saying they're they're going to get to thirty. I, I don't I don't know that for a fact. I think they get to twenty eight thirty five pretty easily. Um, but you never never know being on the road in this hostile environment within their first true test. That's another thing. You know, last year, as, as you know, as you know, very well, Georgia went on the road to Missouri and that, you know, close game really taught and that comeback win really uh, uh, taught Kirby a lot about their team. And, and cause you don't know how they're going to react in a tight one. And, and so Michigan hasn't had that tight one yet. If this is tight, are they going to play tight? Um, so, that is yet to be seen, but I just don't see when you look at it. Michigan really makes teams, you know, go on drives. They don't give up many big plays, um, and, and this Penn State team is just not one that uh, uh, goes on long, extended drives, and and that's what scares me here. Um, Michigan, you know, is top twenty in both categories on defense, whether it's stopping the run or the pass, um, and Penn State offensively isn't necessarily juggernauts there either. I mean, passing is very me- me- mediocre, um, and rush is just maybe a slight bit better. Um, so I think it comes down to does Penn State have the magic? Does the you know I think Michigan's going to have to play their C C plus game, and Penn State's going to have to play damn near perfect in my opinion for them to be able to pull off this upset. Maybe uh, maybe it's enough to get the cover. Um, certainly it wouldn't surprise me because at the end of the day Penn State does have a pretty darn good defense. So uh, Michigan will be up against it with the noise um, in their first true test. But I can't I can't envision a world where Michigan if they are as good as we all think they are, that they don't cover this small number of four and a half. It does have me a little worried. This does seem, I would have thought Michigan would have been like a seven point favorite. And I know it's on the road, but uh, four and a half does give me a little cause for concern. But as I said, I already have a ticket on Michigan and I think they cover this pretty comfortably by seven to 10 point uh, victory. You're probably right. You probably are right. I think that Michigan has uh, been blowing out teams for a reason, Uh, but I want to pick Penn State in this one. I think that what you're going to see here, Pierce, is this is going to be just the perfect storm of this is really Michigan's best team that they've played, not only all season, but since the cheating scandal broke. I mean, they since that have played Michigan State and Purdue. I can't remember if Indiana was before or after that, but still, regardless, Indiana, Michigan State, and Purdue. Those three teams didn't have a chance to give anything to Michigan. This one's at Penn State. The fans are going to be fired up. I'd imagine that I wouldn't be surprised if Penn State makes a, a joke or two. You know, you see a mascot dressed up in Michigan clothes pretending to spy or something like that. I think that James Franklin 
Uh, he's been known to choke away big ones, but for some reason, this one feels like one of those weird games where Penn State, you look back and you go, you know, if you really put could put this together every single year, you know, you'd be more in playoff contention. But I just feel like that this is going to be a Penn State perfect storm. Show it to Michigan. I think Drew Alar is the big question mark in this one. We've seen him have some great games. We've seen him have some really crappy games. Hopefully being in a, a friendly environment, and turning that corner a little bit will be helpful to him. Um, but I just, I just, it feels like Penn State's going to be taking up the aggression of a lot of the college football landscape, but especially the Big Ten this weekend on Michigan. And I, I just think that they keep this one close, if not win outright. I could just see that happening. So um, I, I do think Michigan turns the corner, or not turns the corner, but I do think Michigan turns around in a couple weeks and beats Ohio State at home. But I think this is their loss. I think that's where you could potentially see. Uh, you know, a Big Ten team get left out when all is said and done, and this is the reason why. So um, I, I do like Penn State in this one. I don't know the X's and O's like you. I don't have data and research to back it up. I just know how I feel going into this one, and it feels like Michigan's going to get exposed, and, and we're all going to turn around and go, oh, yeah, so they, they have been cheating. They solidify the fact that, like, yeah, they have been cheating, and they look at crap now. So uh, we shall see on that one. All right, I would love to see that. Right, exactly. Um, all right, let's flip it over to 3.30 Eastern Time Pierce on ABC for an in-state rivalry. The Miami Hurricanes traveling to Tallahassee to take on the number four Florida State Seminoles. Florida State, of course, unbeaten so far in the season. And as such, they'll be favored in this one by 14.5 points. Miami has three losses so far with them coming at home versus Georgia Tech at North Carolina and then most recently at NC State, they were, of course, my uh, one of my uglies of the week because of that loss. But it was one of my easy peasies too. I did think NC State would have would have covered that. I had it at six points and they ended up winning outright. So good on them. Uh, Fourteen and a half points. Florida State. Obviously, they got that big win at the beginning of the season versus LSU. Um, they have had some closer games than you'd like to see. Uh, but for the most part, they're handling things and getting it done with, with pretty easy fashion. So I don't think many people are thinking Miami's going to travel to Tallahassee and upset Florida State. But it does come to, you know, there's, there is – this is a rivalry. Believe it or not, this is a pretty big rivalry. Um, as somebody who attended Florida State, I didn't get it because I wasn't from South Florida. But the South Florida kids – absolutely think this is one of the biggest rivalries. Um, I think it's Florida, but that's just me. Um, and I think that that's not even debatable. But uh, so anyways, these two teams hate each other. They all play peewee ball together. They go to high school together. The fan bases hate each other. Um, so fluky things can happen and have happened in this one before. Um, 14 and a half points. We'll start with you, Pierce. Who do you have, Florida State or Miami? I'm going to go with the Knowles here. No surprise. Minus 14 and a half. A um, couple things stand out to me. Um you know, this is going to be a game where I think Miami's going to have to take advantage of on the ground. They're going to have to try to slow things down, um, and and that's their, I think their one way to keep this within that fourteen and a half number. Uh, when you break it down, Miami does average one hundred seventy six yards and a half, seventy hundred one hundred seventy six and a half yards on the ground. And FSU, that is one of the uh, weaker spots on their defense. Um, they do give up 140 uh, yards on the ground. So Miami should find some success success there. Uh, obviously, the, the pass rush is going to be um, coming early and often at Trevor Van Dyke. Um, so I, I don't think I think you're going to want to take the the ball out of whoever you know is playing QB for Miami there out of their hands um, and and really try to shrink this game some. Uh, and then on the flip side, you know Miami, what they do poorly on defense is defending the pass, giving up 222.2 yards per game, and that is just where FSU thrives with 293.9 passing yards per game. So um, being at home. Um, you know, not having to worry about the sound. They ought to be able to really do whatever they want through the air. As long as they don't get out to a slow start, I think they can put up 40-plus points on this Miami defense. Um, and, and then really what it comes down to is Miami, you know, has been very mediocre this year, uh, but they're 1-2 and two on the road. This is not a very good road team. T- Trevor Van Dyke especially seems to struggle on the road. Even uh, I heard rumblings that they, they want, uh, you know, another quarterback to play over Van Dyke. Regardless of who they trot out, I, I don't have too much confidence that they'll be able to go into a hostile environment and, uh, and pull off an upset or keep this one all that close. So um, I, I really like Evan. You in this one minus fourteen. I just don't see a, a world in which Miami comes out uh, and, and keeps this one close. I mean, it's just too. Maybe the talent level at certain spots is there is comparable, but um, even then, I, I just it's a coaching mismatch here, in my opinion. And I think FSU takes advantage of that and really can do whatever they want uh, on offense and therefore dictate uh, you know the score of this game. 
Yeah, I agree with you. We had to put this one on the card, Pierce, because of the fact that it's a rivalry game. But FSU is the play here. 14 and a half. I think they cover it pretty easy. Um, Miami's not that good. Uh, I mean, Tyler Van Dyke has been the prince that's been promised in, in Mario Cristobal's offense for a couple of years now. He just hasn't delivered. Um, they've got some pretty bad losses. Uh, and, and quite frankly, it's going to it's gonna happen again. Florida State, not only that, but they have to win out, obviously. They do that. They've got the easiest remaining schedule as, as well uh, down the stretch of the unbeatens. Um, and, and that's sad to say for a Miami team that, again, everybody thought, hey, Mario Cristobal is going to come in there. He's going to right the wrongs. He's got Tyler Van Dyke. Let's go. Um, and and I, just, I just think this one's going to be a beat down. So um, I think also Johnny Wilson's going to come back. At least he's been suiting up in practice. So that's big for the Knowles. Um, I got him big in this one. I don't think the 14 and a half is, is any trouble. I think that they cover that one by halftime. And they maintain that lead through the rest of the way because of it's a rivalry game. If it wasn't a rivalry game, I could see them potentially letting off the, the, the gas, but they won't do it in versus Miami. Um, all right. Also at 3.30 Eastern time on Fox, the number 18 Utah Utes in Seattle to take on the number five Washington Huskies. Washington, despite being undefeated, have had some very close calls, uh, including – I mean, I guess a little bit last week. Last week, it was a hot play to, to pick them to upset USC. They did, they got it done. They, they beat them by 10 points. But uh, still, wow, what a, what a high-scoring game. That one, Pierce, at one point, the live line for the, the, the total for that game was at like 104. It didn't hit, obviously, but 104 at one point was the, the live total for that game, which is just absolutely bonkers. Um, Utah has two losses on their schedule so far this season at Oregon State to end September and then a couple of weeks ago or a few weeks ago to end October versus Oregon at home. This one is on the road. We know Utah plays better at home than on the road. Um, but still, this Utah team has been known to, to, to kind of upset some people and, and kind of surprise you, though they are on their third string quarterback. Uh, and like I said, Washington has kind of been, you know, you just kind of, everybody feels like it's kind of a matter of time for this Washington team. Uh, you know, they beat Oregon. I think if that game gets played again um, at Oregon or on a neutral site, uh, Pac-12 championship, I don't know if they win that one. Um, so it'll be interesting. Uh, Washington is favored by nine and a half points. Pierce, who do you have? Yeah, this one's an interesting one. Uh, you know, how's Washington going to, to, to fair coming off that uh, big emotional victory over USC. You know, obviously USC not playing up to par with what we thought coming into the season, but still an emotional game nonetheless as they pull it out there in uh, in Southern Cal. Um, now they're back at home, um, you know, you, but you look at it, this Washington defense, man, it's, it might be fighting with uh, USC as, as one of the worst in the Pac-12. I, I mean, they just don't stop a soul, um, and, and, you know, particularly through the air, but it's not much better on the ground. Um, that's where Utah likes to make their hay on the ground rushing. I, I think they'll be able to, to take advantage of that and run the football. I think they're going to want to, kind of like the last game we covered, they're going to want to try to shrink this game a little bit. Um, and, and that's where their success lies and has lied all season without Cam Rising um, on the ground. So they're going to want to take advantage of that, and I think they will be able to um you know i think a lot of teams have been able to take advantage of of washington not just through the air but on the ground as well and utah certainly will be able to do that at times here i think what this game comes down to though is you know utah it, it has a pretty good defense um and, and especially that's the, the the what everyone from a nationwide perspective uh you know believes utah has a great defense but they are susceptible um through the air um, and that's one of the areas that, you know, Washington ranks number one through the air with 383 passing yards a game. Um, this is a smaller number than I would have thought. Um, I, it, it feels like Utah's getting a little bit too much uh, credit here. Utah's a different team on the road. Uh, they just are, uh, you know. I know the backup quarterbacks have uh, have come in and kind of weathered the storm, and, and and obviously they went on the road to USC and, and got it done there, and um, the pick farmer had a great game. But, man, it's a different animal when you're going to, to Washington where they actually show up and, and, and show out, the fans do, and, and it's a pretty raucous environment with the sailgating and all that. So I think this is one where I, I do worry just a touch about Washington and where their mindset is at coming off that win against USC, which was pretty emotional. I mean, you had uh, people on both teams crying after that one for various reasons, um, and Washington obviously needed to get off the uh, – get you know get a good game under their belt. They hadn't had one since Oregon, but – I just don't see this Utah team being going on the road and being able to put up enough points um, to 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 get this cover. So give me the Huskies minus nine and a half. I'm going opposite of you. I got the Utes in this one because of what you said at the end there with Washington's mindset. 
Uh, USC was a big win for them, and they are having an Oregon State matchup next week. So I think this is a potential letdown look-ahead spot for Washington. I think Utah is going to be able to hang with them. And to your point, Pierce, yes, Washington's you know offense versus Utah's defense, but Washington's defense is not all that good. So I think Utah's going to be able to move the ball on them, um, and I, I think it's a potential shootout situation. So 9.5 is just too much for me. I think Washington narrowly escapes another one versus this Utah team uh, right before they take on the Beebs, uh, and then and then they have Washington State, the Apple Cup. So I think that they are, uh, the, like I said, a little bit of a coming off that USC, looking ahead, uh, I think it's a perfect spot for Utah. All right, staying at 3.30 Eastern time, this one on CBS. It's the number 17 Tennessee Volunteers in Como to take on the number 12 Missouri Tigers. Mizzou got their second loss of the season last week as they uh, traveled to Athens and did not escape with a victory. Earlier on in the season, they lost to LSU at home, although that game was a lot closer than the final score uh, has it indicates, I should say. Uh, Tennessee has two losses on the season, um, and they would need they, – they are still in the play. I think technically both of these teams. Actually, maybe it's just Tennessee. Tennessee is still in play for the SEC East. They would need for Georgia to drop one, and they would have to win out, which includes beating Georgia next week. Uh, but it's still on the table. Tennessee on the road is favored in this one, despite not being ranked higher by one and a half. So it's a really, really close spread. Um, and it just kind of comes down to uh, whether or not you think Missouri is able to right the wrongs of last week. Um, I'll put it this way. If Tennessee wins this one, you set up for a massive, massive matchup next week in Neyland Stadium to, to decide. Um, I believe that would decide who goes to the SEC, to the SEC championship. I think. Unless Georgia beats Ole Miss. Unless it, so they clinch if they beat Ole Miss. Yep. Okay, I thought that they would. They could potentially still um, lose to. Okay, so if they, regardless, it will still be a, a huge matchup next week in Neyland, um, obviously with a little bit of revenge on the mind. So, um, yeah, I'll start with you, Pierce. I got my thoughts on this one, but uh, what are your thoughts? So I hit it at the jump. Um, I talked about you know uh, a few people that I listen to and trust in the industry are, um, you know we're on the exact opposite side here uh, uh, from me. And, and I was quite frankly disturbed and shocked to see how adamant they were in regards to some of the points, because I just, I, I'm not quite seeing it. Um, call me stubborn. I'm going Missouri here. And I, and I know I'm going against my principle of, you know, the line seems very uh, fishy here. I would have thought at home, Missouri, I, put these teams on a neutral field. I still think Missouri's a, you know, a one or two point favorite to be quite honest with you. And then at home, Maybe not the greatest home field advantage, but I still, you know, give them their the normal three points. I thought this game would be around four, to be honest with you. So the fact that Missouri is is the underdog here has me confused. Um, certainly has me wondering, uh, you know, what am I missing uh, when breaking this game down? But diving in, uh, you know, strength of Tennessee's uh, offense is their run game. Um, you know, passing is is not nearly as strong as it was last year. Um, Tennessee comes in averaging 227.8 yards per game, which is a uh, top 10 in the country. Um, but then you look on the flip side, Missouri's best, their best attribute on defense is stopping the run. Remember I said last week, the reason I like Georgia to potentially, uh, you know, get the cover, although I ended up taking Missouri just simply due to the spot and coming off the bye. Uh, what I said, where I said Georgia would have a lot of success was through the air because that's where you can get after Missouri. Missouri only gives up 114 yards rushing on the ground, which is is, is top 50 in the country. Um, you know, listen, I also think Tennessee could be in a slight look ahead spot here with with Georgia coming, uh, you know, to play next week in Neyland. Um, I know the guys are looking for revenge. Where is their mindset at? I know they've got to take care of business this week, but you know it's hard not to look forward to having the number one, number two team in your building next week and and in a spot where you want to get them back for for the payback from last year. Um, I think the big thing is will Tennessee be able to to, to slow down Missouri's passing attack um, that averages two hundred eighty four yards per game, which is top thirty in the country um, against the pass. Tennessee is not the greatest, uh, you know, pretty average. Um, I do worry a little bit about Missouri. I saw something after the, the Georgia game that uh, Coach Drinkwitz came, Drinkwitz came out and said, you know, we really emptied the tank there. We, we gave everything we had and emptied it, all our playbook and all that. So, you know, give that, that doesn't make me feel too great about this spot for Missouri. Um, but I, I'm going to take Missouri because I, I, I think this team is a pretty well-rounded, solid team. And 
I like offensively. I like their team better than I, I like Tennessee. I think they can score more points in Tennessee. Um, and, and a lot of the people that I listened to, their big takeaway was Tennessee defensively will be able to just bottle up this, this Missouri team. They're not high on, on, on cook. Um, you know, as far as, uh, the running back there, I'm drawing a blank on his name, uh, for Missouri. He, uh, you know, had some Schrader. Thank you. He had some great success against Georgia and has had a very solid year, but, um, they weren't very, you know, they thought he could have some success, but he was never going to bust one against this Tennessee team. Um, I think what it's going to come down to is, is like I said, I think Missouri's going to be able to score more points, in my opinion. Now, Tennessee does get after the passer. That does scare me just a bit here. Um, but I also think it will open itself up to, uh, you know, some big throws downfield for these wide receivers. I, I Like I said, I, I thought this was the the best weapons that Georgia had faced all season um, in Theo Weiss and Luther Burden. Obviously, Luther Burden a little bit banged up, but I'm sure he'll be able to go. I'd like Missouri to get this cover and 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 win this game by, you know, three to seven points. I, I just don't Ooh. see Tennessee being able to put a lot of I, don't, I just don't see Tennessee being able to put up enough points. I don't see Tennessee getting to 30 plus against this Missouri team on the road with Georgia looking, you know, Georgia next week um, in a classic look ahead spot. But I don't know. I'm certainly going against what a lot of people that are sharper than me think. Um, so, and, and where will, where will Missouri be coming off? Uh, you know, this is a letdown spot for them coming off Georgia, but, um, and yep. how about Tennessee dominated? They dominate Missouri the last few years, yeah. so that obviously scares me a little bit as well. But I'm on Missouri. Well, okay, so I'm gonna opposite. I'm opposite of you. You made a lot of the points, and I think that it would be just the funniest thing in the world if Mizzou uh, won this one. Uh, it does. It would scare me a little bit because I, I do think bounce back spots are just oh so important, um, and that would obviously scare me for the dogs. And it is a look head spot for Tennessee, and all of the points you made. I just think Tennessee wins this one. I, I think that. Ultimately, to your point, they've dominated Mizzou. Mizzou's just one of those teams that they're just going to lose three games a year. That's just that's just who they are. That's their identity. And if you look at it, their two toughest teams have been losses, LSU and Georgia. I think this is their third toughest. Um, well, I guess they did beat Kansas State at the beginning of the season. But I still think this is a really tough in-conference matchup. And it just feels like the kind of spot that we all hype up Mizzou to, you know, upset the, the, the Vols and they don't. Um, I think there's a reason why Tennessee is favored on the road. I just think they're a little bit better of a team. Their defense has been better this year than, than years previously. If they can shut down Luther Burden, which Georgia did very effectively, um, and, and ultimately Weiss was very good. He just wasn't able to to get, you know, be recover for the fact that Luther Burden was not really able to get the ball much. Um, Joe Milton scares me. Obviously Joe Milton's always going to scare me. He is not it. Sorry to the C fans. I, I think they know that. I think they might be on the, the biggest haters on the, the Joe Milton bus though. Um, but I just think that Tennessee is able to, to get this one done because of their defense being a little bit better. Um, and, and ultimately Mizzou and like home field advantage and all that, that doesn't scare me. Um, you know, I, I think this line with these two teams, you've got a home field, you've got the number 12 team in the nation. You've got a team that's got better wins. That Kansas State win is a big one for Mizzou. Tennessee doesn't really have a big hallmark win um, on their schedule. Uh, they went to the Swamp and lost. I think they go, you know, to Mizzou and they ride the ship and they get this one, they get this one done. So, um because of Como not having home field advantage. I, I think that that's big for them. So uh, give me Tennessee in this one. Um, like I said, it just I would love to not have to deal with a Tennessee coming off of a loss um, and, and reeling kind of a little bit. So like, you don't give them extra motivation. Let them let them get overinflated on their ego before we have to play them. Let's talk about the Georgia Bulldogs here, Pierce. At 7 o'clock Eastern time on ESPN, they'll be welcoming in the number 10 team in the nation, the Ole Miss Rebels. Georgia, of course, sitting at number two in the nation, right behind Ohio State. A true night game in Sanford Stadium. Uh, yes, they've had a couple so far this year, but this one is a true one. This one's going to be absolutely electric. Ole Miss has one loss so far on the season. It was to Alabama. Georgia, of course, sitting unbeaten so far. If they were to win this one, I believe it would be 29 straight. Uh, so that is the streak that they are fighting for. Georgia favored in this one by 11 and a half. Um, which, woo, they have not been covering spreads. They have not been covering spreads this season, including uh, last week. Uh, but 11 feels a little bit more manageable than some of these big spreads that they've faced so far this season. Uh, so do with that what you will. Uh, but this is, if you look up the matchups, a lot of people are saying this is the most, you know, scary matchup for Georgia from a standpoint of what they do well on offense versus uh, what we're able to not stop. Uh, so, so that's going to be, you know, kind of what everybody's going to hype up this, uh, 
this game, of course, as being the big night game, this is the one that game day's at. So the, the you know, every all the storylines are going to be focused on this game right here, and I'm sure the hot pick is going to be for Ole Miss to upset the dogs. So I'll kick it to you, Pierce. Does that happen, or does Georgia roll in this one and uh, continue that streak on to 29? 11 and a half is what we're picking it at, uh, but I also want to hear your, you know, obviously just your thoughts in general. Does Georgia cover that? But uh, does Ole Miss stand a chance to potentially upset the dogs? Yeah, let's break it down a little bit here. Um, when you, when you look at it, Ole Miss defensively is just they they are pretty poor at, at most every aspect. Uh, the one thing that they do is they do get sacks. I think that's one of the things that they're going to have to try to um, take advantage of here. They're going to have to get Carson Beck on the ground. Um, you know, they're they're not a top hundred team. Or, you know, give up two hundred twenty eight yards. Uh, uh, you know, through the air um, and, and one hundred thirty seven on the ground. I think this is a spot where Georgia's going to be able to just about name their score. To be quite honest with you. Um, uh, here's here's where Ole Miss needs to take advantage. Like I said, they, they do well at getting after the pass rush. They get 3.44 sacks per game. That's good for fifth in the country. Uh, but Georgia does a pretty darn good job of, of, of preventing sacks. I know Missouri was able to take advantage. Missouri stacked the box and brought a lot of pressure um, to try to manufacture uh, uh, you know some sort of pass rush. So um, Ole Miss, I, I expect to do a little bit more of the same. Um, Georgia only gives up one sack a game. That's good for 10th in the country at, at fewest sacks given up. So um, I, I think Georgia, that will kind of you know neutralize the pass rush to a certain extent. Um, and, and like I said, Georgia gives up last – I said last week, Georgia gives uh, – you know, is so good through the air, uh, 325 yards per game. That's good for eighth. Um, so they'll be able to take advantage not just on the ground but through the air. I expect Ole Miss to also – stack the box a little bit more like most teams do against Georgia because they know if, if Georgia gets going on the ground, they're just going to exert their will. And, and you can't do that against a physical team like Georgia if you want to have any chance of winning this game. Um, then when you look on the flip side, Ole Miss is going to need to take advantage of their passing attack. From a rushing standpoint, they haven't been as good as last year. Um, Judkins has had some good games as of late. Um, Ole Miss averages 297 yards through the air, but Georgia defensively, that's, that's their strongest suit. Uh, you know, Against the run, Georgia does give up uh, 182 yards um, on the ground. So that's that's you know while okay, uh, it isn't great. But through the air, uh, you know, oh excuse me, that's through the air. 182 yards through the air, so that's good for 48th. I take back what I said. Ole Miss does a great job through there at 297, like I said. I think Georgia's going to be able to neutralize them to a certain extent. I think you've seen some of the young guys for uh, Georgia, in particular Jalen Walker and Damon Wilson um, at the defensive end spots. When they need to get after the pass rush, they do. Um, I, 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 I will also bring up you know, Jackson Dart, can he do exactly what Cook did last week and make plays with his legs? I think that's going to be where Ole Miss has a chance to get this cover, and, and only if he's able to make things with his legs, because I think Georgia's going to be keen on stopping the run with Jud- uh, Quinshawn Judkins. I think they also won't, kind of like last week, won't be worried if Quinshawn Judkins is running a lot, because they won't be able to bust too many long ones, um, and, and, and Ole Miss's strength is through the air. I worry this is a look ahead spot for Georgia with Tennessee on deck, obviously, um, and coming off a pretty hard fought victory against Missouri. But here's the thing how many times have we seen Georgia teams over the last couple of years, uh, you know, have a, a, an average performance? Um, whether it's against a good or bad team, and they seem to get up for the big games. This is a night game. I think that neutralizes some of the look-ahead spot here. The crowd's going to be crazy. Um, and then when you really break it down on the Ole Miss side, like I said, defensively they've been poor. If you look at it, uh, they gave up a good number of points to Texas A&M with a backup QB missing their number one receiver, Okay, a five-star Evan Stewart. Um, you look at Tulane, who, who put up new, a number of points this year without Michael Pratt. So they did that with a backup quarterback. A lot of the teams that have played uh, against Ole Miss and Ole Miss has beaten up on this year um, have been missing guys. And, and so, I, I, you know, kind of like TCU did last year, where it seemed like every game they kept injuring the other quarterback. And, and that was a point of uh, you know concern for TCU's defense uh, you know, in the playoffs. I think Ole Miss is uh, getting too much credit here. This, this line should be more at 14, 14 and a half, 15, in my opinion, kind of like uh, some of the other games that we're going to cover here and have covered. Um, I really like Georgia in this one, minus the 11. If this number falls anywhere to 10, um, and, and I don't know if it'll get under 10, I doubt it. But if this gets under 10, uh, this will be a hammer play for me, Georgia minus 11. Oh, God, yes. If this gets under 10, absolutely. Um, Yes, I agree with you. Georgia's identity is kind of – we're not going to really put the hammer down unless we have to. Um, You don't come to Athens at night on senior night with this team, you know, this crowd being fired up and kind of 
starve for an environment like this um, and get the win. That's not going to happen. So I, I feel pretty confident Georgia wins this one. But they've not been covering spreads, Pierce. Now, 11 and a half, like I said earlier, that is the most manageable one they've had pretty much all season. I think I think actually all season. Um, you know, it's funny you mentioned the uh, travel to Mizzou was kind of their wake-up call last season. This year looks like it's probably the Auburn game. Um, it's been kind of pretty easy since then. But they're not one of the, those teams that identity is not we're just going to absolutely, you know, beat the will from you. It's kind of like, hey, we're going to do what we need to get to, to win and, and move on. Um, so I do think that that is, you know, an interesting play. Um, emotional hedging, I'm going to go Ole Miss plus the 11 and a half so that when I'm in Sanford Stadium and we're, we're giving up some points, I can go, well, at least I had that on the podcast. Um, but but I would love, obviously, for Georgia to cover this one. I'm just not sure if that's their identity this year. And maybe they want to hold some back for that trip to Neyland next week. Um, so I do think that this is an Ole Miss cover Georgia win. But I think it's easy. I don't think it feels at any point like super doubtful. Um, but I don't think that the Georgia goes out there and just absolutely dominates from start to finish. I think Ole Miss is going to be able to move that ball and uh, and get a couple of scores on Georgia. Um, so, so that's who I like in this one. Uh, another one that, uh, maybe not that all that interesting, but we have to talk about because it is, uh, it's your team. It's the TCU Horn Frogs, the number seven Texas Longhorns. We traveling to Fort Worth to take on the Horn Frogs. That game is at 730 Eastern time on ABC. Texas favored by 10 and a half points on the road. TCU has not had a great season. They are sitting at four and five. So we'll see if they'll go bowling this year after obviously appearing in the national championship last year. Um, in their last five games, they only have one win. It was versus BYU. So that was at home for what it's worth. But their last two losses on the road at Kansas State at Texas Tech. Texas has one loss so far in the season. It was the Red River shootout against Oklahoma. Uh, obviously a neutral field in Oklahoma. You know, hey, you're starting to look at that and you're going, is Oklahoma for real? Um, that being said, 11 and a half points. I'm sorry, 10 and a half points on the road. TCU has been known. Wouldn't it just be the ultimate TCU move, Pierce, to to have this season that's kind of disappointment after Max Duggan leaves and, and you know, you go to the national championship. It's like, oh, my gosh, here we are. First year, Sunny Dykes. And then this year it's just kind of like, ooh. Wouldn't it be so TCU to win this one? Uh, it would just be the most TCU thing I think ever. So it is under the lights. It is at home. They do hate the Texas Longhorns. Um, and I do mean hate, but 10 and a half points is that line, uh, which which just shows you the, the difference of, uh, of skill here. So uh, we'll start with you. It's your team, TCU or Texas in this one. I'll preface this with two things, uh, and I've got to get off my chest. If you've listened to us all year, I have been abysmal picking for TCU or against TCU. Every time I pick against TCU, they win. Every time I pick for TCU, they lose. So do with that what you will. Also, there was some cryptic stuff that came out uh, uh, in the last 24 hours that Quinn Ewers might be able to go in this game. Ooh. That would be a huge bump. And that's one thing, I, I, and that's why I wanted to note this, because if that happens, I think this line gets up to 14 in a hurry. Um so all of this is contingent off Quinn Ewers not playing. If Quinn Ewers plays, disregard what I've said, okay? But I agree with you, Madison. I think this is a spot. I'm, I'm, I'm with the Frogs plus 10 and a half. Uh, you know, when you look at it, we broke down Texas-Kansas State last week, and the reason I like the Longhorns in that one um, was because they do well stopping the run. And Kansas State, that's what they like to do. This is, a, this is a game where TCU is going to need to take advantage uh, on that Texas pass D who gives up 241 yards per game. TCU averages nearly 300 yards. They're going to need to go in. Josh Hoover is going to have to put up a lot of points um, or at least get a lot of yards and, and, and you know move it on this Texas defense. They're not going to be able to just try to run it down your throat, and that's not the team that t- TCU is this year. Um, you know, Last year they were able to do a little bit more um, with the running backs they had on the team. Couple good, Imani Bailey's a pretty good running back, but that's just not in their nature this year. They don't have the offensive line to take advantage on the ground as much as they would like. So through the air is key. Um, you know, like I said, Texas is uh, is is a solid, solid team. But they, this is a spot where TCU is tends to kind of sneak up on teams, and they've done this to Texas a number of times in the past. Um, I think that you know, obviously, the Texas D is not very good, but think this may be neutralized some on the road at night and like i said if viewers does not play in this one uh, i'd I like tc plus 10 and a half if viewers plays 
it's a no play for me. Uh, it'd probably switch my play to Texas, especially at this low number, because I do think it'd get to 14. Um, but I, I, after watching them against, uh, against Kansas State last week, um, you know, they got up big early, and then they just sat on it and made a lot of errors. And so this Texas team without Ewers will make errors. They will, uh, you know, Malik Murphy will have a couple picks, in my opinion. Um, and so that could be big for a TCU upset win here, too. But uh, give me the Frogs plus 10.5, uh, but all contingent on if Quinn Ewers is playing or not. TCU is one of those teams, Pierce, when they play well, they've played very well. When they've played poorly, it's been like, whoa. So um, I'll be interested to see what TCU team we get in this one. Um, but I think I'm going to ride with you on this one. I think I'm going to go TCU as well. Uh, I, I don't really know. At the beginning of the season, after they beat Alabama, it was like, yo, this Texas team's legit. Pencil them in for the playoffs. And after kind of seeing some things down the stretch, I don't think that they're not, you know, a, they're not a bad team, but I am kind of going, well, did they get Alabama at the right time? And, you know, they lost Oklahoma, and maybe Oklahoma's not all that good. So I think this is one where we might have been putting a little bit too much stock in Texas. Uh, they do have to travel on the road. Uh, you know, I like home teams in that situation to keep things close. Uh, and, you know, the last time they went on the road was at Houston, and they, you know, only won by seven, which I know they only won by seven, but I just don't know if they're necessarily a kind of team to blow people out. I agree with you. If Quinn Ewers comes back, that's huge for them. So be paying attention to your sport book because if you see that go up, if Quinn Ewers is in, uh, you know, you might want to just just pay attention because if you grab it now and Quinn Ewers plays, you might be feeling some type of way. Um, but, but you know, big for them. But that being said, Malik Murphy's been okay for them. He's actually played pretty well enough so that you're going – or they're going to not play him. They're going to play Arch, and you haven't seen Arch play yet. But um, I, I do like Texas to win this one, but I think the Frogs keep it close at home. I think they give a little bit of a scare to the Longhorns, um, another team who's not necessarily been blowing people out. So so that's that's my play on that one. All right, uh, back to the SEC, 7.30 Eastern time on the SEC Network. The Florida Gators in Death Valley to take on the number 14 LSU Tigers. Uh, LSU is favored in this one by 13.5 points. Uh, a pretty big rivalry. Uh, you know, cross cross conference, obviously, but this is a low key a, a bad blood rivalry. Florida Gators is a little bit in reeling what the heck mode after losing to Arkansas in overtime last week. LSU was handed their, uh, you know, hey, this is the nail in the coffin uh, loss as well on their season, but that one was at Alabama and kind of expected uh, for what it's worth. So, um, you know, both these teams are are you know primed for bounce back spots, but uh, I think one is a little bit more talented than the other. That being said, do we have an update on Jaden Daniels? Is he playing in this one, or is he still concussed? I have not seen. That is a very important factor in, very this, important in, in this play. That being said, yeah. it's Death Valley at night, so uh, take that for what you will. Uh, we'll start with you, Pierce. Who do you got? Well, this is a total coin flip, in my opinion, and it, it's all contingent. Like the Ewers uh, for Texas, it's contingent on if Jaden Daniels plays. Um, I think the one thing that, uh, you know, the one area that I found that that could keep Florida in this game, uh, LSU's defense, defensively is, is bad on, in both aspects. Uh, not just defending the pass, as they gave up 236 yards per uh, per game through the air, but also on the with the rush. They gave up 171 yards. So Florida should have success both uh, in both areas there. Florida is pretty darn good uh, passing the football. They're two. They average two hundred seventy-five yards per uh, per game on the road in Death Valley is going to be a, another task. But I think last week was a classic sandwich spot. You had coming off a big rivalry loss against Georgia, where you were emotionally invested, coming off a bye, threw a lot into that game, and then you catch Arkansas, who you was easy to to just discredit and say, well, they're not a very good team, and they were coming off a bye. Oh, with that new coach bump after getting rid of their offensive coordinator. Um, so, so kind of the stars were all aligned there for Arkansas to get that um, crazy upset win. Even though Florida should have made that field goal to 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 win the game and not even have to go to overtime, um, it was it was pretty evident that they overlooked their opponent coming off the Georgia game and obviously with this LSU game on deck, which is a low key big rivalry for both teams. Um, you know, again. Can Daniels go? If Daniels goes, uh, you know, they're going to be able to pretty much pick the number that they want to get to offensively. Uh, I, I think they'll be able to get to 40 plus easily with Daniels. If Daniels can't go, I, even if Daniels goes, I, I have a slight lean on Florida in this one, um, plus 13 and a half. I, I think Florida will be able to do just enough offensively. Um, they'll throw all the stops in this one as they want to get this win. And look, you know, they're five and three. 
and they've got LSU, they've got Missouri, and they've got FSU um, waiting in the wings. So they need to win one more game. Um, and when you really look at it, this might be the, the best chance for them to get a win is against this LSU team. So I think they throw the kitchen sink at it. I think Graham Mertz uh, and company are able to make enough plays on this bad LSU defense to keep this one within the 13 and a half. So give me Florida plus 13 and a half. Heck no, you're crazy. I think LSU, yes, Jaden Daniels, if he doesn't play, that's a huge hit on them. Um, but like I said, it's at night in Death Valley. I just feel like they are going to uh, they're going to absolutely lay the hammer down on this Florida team that I don't think was all that good. Um, one and two on the road has not been great either. Obviously, they lost to Kentucky earlier. You know, they had a we were a close one with South Carolina. This Florida team is not all that good. And Pierce, we're at a point where Florida might not be bowl eligible, which is just absolutely bonkers. I think we hit on that in the recap uh, episode. They obviously finish here with LSU, then they've got Mizzou, and then they've got Florida State. They have to win one of those. I don't think they do, um, and, and that's just – so we'll see. Start start queuing the hot seat rumors for uh, Billy Napier there. Um, but yeah, I just think LSU is just the better team, more talented team. Graham Mertz is iffy at best, um, and like I said, it, it just sets up so well for LSU at home under the lights in Death Valley coming off of that lost Alabama. They're going to look to punish somebody. They do it here versus Florida. Give me the Tigers. Go Tigers. Um, all right. To the ACC we go for the ACC Network, 8 p.m. Eastern time. The Duke Blue Devils and the North Carolina Tar Heels in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. Neither of these teams are ranked anymore after uh, being handed a couple of losses on their season. Duke's coming to Notre Dame, then at FSU and at Louisville in back-to-back weeks. North Carolina having losses to Virginia and Georgia Tech. Uh, which is not great, not great at all. Um, so this isn't for anything other than the fact that this is a big rivalry, obviously, with them both being right outside of Raleigh um, and not too far from each other. So uh, this is one that's going to be an interesting watch. North Carolina in this one is favored by 12 and a half at home. Duke was the story of the season after they took down Clemson. Um, and then even when, even when they lost to Notre Dame, it was a pretty close one. Um, obviously those losses to Louisville and Florida state aren't bad, but that's probably going to be your two representatives in the ACC championship. And then North Carolina, like I already hit on, they were absolutely rolling. They were sitting at six and zero. Then they dropped back to back UVA and Georgia tech. Now Georgia tech has dominated that series with UNC, but still you can't, you can't be doing that. If you're sitting at six and zero. you can't drop back to back to two of the worst teams uh, in your conference. Now, Georgia Tech looks pretty good now because of that win, but they're very much buoyed by that. They bounced back last week versus Campbell in a get-right spot, you know, probably a homecoming game type situation, but uh, not great. Bob, uh, 12 and a half at home in rivalry game. Who do you have? Oh, man. Uh, this is an interesting one when you break it down. Uh, you know, obviously, UNC on defense is pretty poor. Um, so Duke, I think, is going to be able to to, to find some success here. Um, I, I believe I, I didn't see Riley Leonard, Leonard on the injury uh, report, so he should be good to go, which is obviously a big bonus. Um, w- you know, where this game comes down to is is UNC has a vaunted passing attack. Um, they also run the ball well. Offensively, they're a pretty stout team, and they've been running the ball better this year than I think they have uh, than they did last year. Um, they average at 199 yards per game. Uh, that's top 30 in the country. And Duke D gives up 150 a game. Um, so not all that great. UNC will will definitely find some success there, and I think needs to take advantage of that and 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 run some play action off of that. Um, where this game I think is going to be won or lost is can Duke contain the pass um, offensively under Mike Elko or defensively under Mike Elko? They do a good job of that. 179 yards per game given up through the air. That's good for top 40 in the country. Um, and like I said, UNC does does a lot of things well on offense. Um, top 10 passing attack at 319. So can Duke find a way to to, to trouble Drake May? And uh, and get him off his rhythm and, and find a way to kind of contain this UNC uh, this UNC attack. Like I said, UNC poor on defense. Duke ought to be able to get some points here. Um, my big thing is while I know this is a rivalry game, I think this is a is one of those where it's not really a rivalry game in football. This is a rivalry in basketball. Um, and with Clemson on deck next week for UNC, kind of like Clemson. Where is their head going to be at? Um, I, I listen. I don't think North Carolina's defense, as we've seen over the over the um, you know, last few years, is good enough to really 
feel good about any double digit cover, uh, especially with a team as talented as Duke and one that uh, you know plays discipline and is very well coached. So I think Duke has the coaching mismatch here. I think Mike Elko and company are definitely the better coaching staff. I think this is one where Duke keeps it close. Could they upset? Sure. I like UNC to win this one, but 12 and a half seems like far too many points for me and, and Duke in a spot where, you know, coming off a couple rough uh, performances, obviously the, the 23 nothing loss to, to Louisville. I think this is a spot where they come out and, uh, and really give it to UNC and are able to keep this one within the number. I got Duke in this one as well. Um, I, I think this is going to be a closer one than uh, everybody thinks it might be. Duke's not been good down the stretch, especially with Riley Leonard being banged up and out. Um, so hopefully they do get a back, a healthy Riley Leonard back. Uh, but North Carolina, to your point, their defense is just so poor that I think that they're going to be able to move the ball. They don't, as such, Pierce, they don't blow teams out. Yes, there are a couple of blowouts on their schedule for the most part. That's why you have UVA and Georgia Tech beating them is because of the fact that they can't stop anybody, which allows them to then or makes them, forces them to then have to be in a shootout situation. Um, I think, to your point, Duke is a little bit, uh, better coached than UNC. Uh, Mac Brown's like 105 years old. So, um, you know, what is he saying to his guys as they drop games to Virginia and Georgia Tech to fire them up? I don't think he's really firing people up at his age like he might have back in the old days. So um, I like Duke in this one. I think it's a close one. I, I do think that they could potentially get an upset. Uh, I don't know if it happens. But, uh, yeah, I mean, to your point, not as big a rivalry as it is in basketball, but still there are bragging rights on the line for this one. And I think Duke, uh, Duke Duke knows that. And UNC, to your point, has a little bit of a look at spot. All right, last but not least, in the Pac-12, Pac-12 after dark, the number 20 USC Trojans in Eugene to take on the number six Oregon Ducks. That game is on Fox, like I said, at 10.30 Eastern time. Oregon favored by 14.5 points. They, of course, have one loss so far in the season. That loss came at Washington a few weeks ago. USC just dropped their third game of the season uh, in uh, four weeks uh, to boot at Notre Dame versus Utah. Uh, did bounce back versus Cal, though it was a very close one, 50 to 49, the final there. And then most recently versus Washington, where they lost by 10 points. Caleb Williams looks like he's a little bit reeling. I'm not sure if he's got much fight left in him. Uh, props to him for not opting out at this point, but at the same time, you got to think where that that young man's head is at. USC, of course, made the change. They have fired Alex Grinch as defensive coordinator, so we'll see what they look like there on defense. A good right step for Lincoln Riley, finally, after years of calling for it. Uh, Oregon still has very much a lot to play for. They're number six in the nation. Like I said, they'll need a little bit of help, but they will get to probably play Washington again, depending on how that all shakes out. They're probably hoping to right that wrong and get get back um, on the good side of that uh, that defeat couldn't think of the word defeat earlier on in the season. Back to after dark usually is a lot of points, but Oregon's defense is really dang good. So I'll be interested to see if we see something a little bit different here than we're used to seeing where it's just points, 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 points. Uh, that being said, USC's offense has been pretty good. Um, you know, like I said, 104 is the total points versus Washington is absolutely ridiculous. Uh, did hit, but we'll see what happens with this one. Pierce, we'll start with you. Who do you have in the Pac-12 after dark matchup? Listen, I think USC will be able to throw the ball um, pretty effectively against this Oregon pass defense. Uh, they 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 do give up two, over 200 yards per game. Um, I think USC, uh, obviously a top seven team, um, uh, passing the football this season with 326 yards per game on average. Uh, I think where this game comes down to is how will USC stop Oregon's pass rush? I think that's the big key. You know, when you really break down the metrics, Oregon's defense has hasn't been as good as I would have thought they were coming into this game. When you break it down numbers wise, but what they are good at is getting after the pass rush or passer. Uh, over three and a half sacks per game on average for this Oregon defense, which is thirteenth in the country. Um, and then on the flip side, you know, kind of like I hit on in the Ole Miss Georgia game, actually totally different than that. Georgia does a good job at stopping it. USC does not. They give up over two and a half sacks per game, which is barely inside the top 100 for fewest sacks allowed. So Oregon ought to be able to get after Caleb Williams early and often here, which will, um, you know, could neutralize that passing attack just a bit. Um, you know, I think one of the things you've seen of late is Caleb Williams 
uh, is not very good at taking what's given. Um, he, he plays hero ball. And, and I think some of that's on Lincoln Riley for not getting his quarterback prepared. Um, and it's something that's going to have to be addressed at the next level. He just likes to take the tough throw, the, the highlight throw. And, uh, and, and it started to get him in a lot of trouble. Um, from the on the flip side, listen, this USC defense, we've talked about it enough. I'm not going to dive into any numbers here. Their defense is quite frankly awful. Um, and, and they've been getting worse as the season goes along ever since uh, they got that bye week in what was it, week three or four? They've uh, this is their eighth game in a row. They're exhausted. They have no pass rush whatsoever. Um, and oh, by the way, you're now facing an Oregon team who absolutely lights it up on the offensive end. You at uh, Oregon will be able to name their score here. I think they get to 45 plus rather easily on this USC team. And and I'm not sure USC on the road coming off an emotional win or loss against Washington. I'm not sure that this team is up for a 40 point game. So I like Oregon minus the 14 and a half here. I like them a lot, um, especially under uh, uh, two touchdowns. If you can get it, I think this, this spread probably goes up to 15 or 16 for Oregon, but I, I still like it a lot. I think Oregon ends up winning this game by 21 to 24 and and, and rather easy. I, I just I question where USC's motivation is at this point. I agree with you there. I think that Oregon is the real deal. I think that that loss at Washington was was kind of their, hey, we're not letting that happen again. And I just think the USC Trojans don't got a lot of fight left in them. I don't see them getting up for this one. Um, I, I think that they're kind of they're, they're bowl eligible. You know, I think they get out of here without many injuries, but they're going to piddle down here the rest of the season. They got two games left, and I don't think that they uh, are going to win either one of them just because I don't think there's a ton of fight in them. We saw when they went to Notre Dame Pierce a few weeks ago when their offense kind of struggled, and you saw Caleb Williams look like he was quitting in that one. I think he get the same type of performance here. Um, I, I just don't know if they have it in them to to stay with an Oregon team who's good on, on both sides of the ball. Um, and, and wants to put up style points and has blood in you know their sight and their vision. They, they're seeing red. They're ready to take down Washington at the end of the season. So I like Oregon in this one. Would it shock me if I turn on this? The, the, you know, get back to the condo after the Georgia Bulldogs beat Ole Miss, and I see that the, you know Oregon's in a tough one with USC. No, it wouldn't shock me at all. I just don't think that's what we're gonna we're in store for. I think this is gonna be a boring Pac-12 after dark game. And I think to your point, Oregon just names their number, gets there, and holds off USC from doing much of anything on offense. Um, All right. Well, that's going to do it here for our picks and previews of week 11. We will be back in just a few days with our easy easies. That's where we'll tell you what we are on personally with our cards, who our best bets are of the day. Um, That will now be coming out on Fridays. So make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss it. Also make sure you're following us on social media at Dragon Pod on Twitter and Instagram. That's where you'll find real-time insights Real-time betting advice, all of that is on those two channels. Uh, so at Brag and Pod on both of those. And we will see you next week as we get into the second to – I mean, I'm sad to say it here. It's the second to last week of the season. The penultimate week of the season. It's absolutely sad. We still got a lot of football in front of us. Uh, a couple of weeks plus bowl games and a playoff. So a lot to break down, a lot to cover. Excited to get into it. We play the game so we can see how the season ends. So uh, we're about to see how that all pays off. So make sure to subscribe. Don't miss a minute of it. And we will see y'all next week. Until then, I'm Madison. And I'm Pierce. Stay blessed, y'all.